Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you need to develop into a better leader, this podcast is for you. If you want to achieve a greater level of success, this podcast is for you. His mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, said it best, everything rises and falls on leadership. We hope to inspire you today and provide you with an insight that has the potential to positively impact the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast. Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the New Cyber Frontier. Today, I have a special guest all the way from San Francisco. Bob Zinga is the Director of Information Security at Directly, and he's also an Information Warfare Officer for the U.S. Navy Reserve. Welcome, Bob. Hi, I am very glad to be here, Sean. Thank you. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show. We're glad you're contributing. Uh, would love to see uh, you know what what's going on with you over at Directly. Um, we we hear some great things from out of the AI, uh, some machine learning. Hopefully, you can shed some light on that, and then um, like to hit uh, some of the the stuff you're doing with the U.S. Navy, uh, especially for information warfare uh, as it continues to evolve. But you know, why don't you uh, give us a little bit about your background? Uh, where are you from, and and you know, what are you doing today? Yeah, uh, so like, like you say, so I'm a uh, cybersecurity executive here in Silicon Valley, the head of information security at Direct Directly, an information warfare officer in the U.S. Navy Reserve. So I've got about 20 plus years or so ex experience working in complex IT environment. And since uh, 2005, I've been working full time you know, to establish, lead and manage cybersecurity program within higher education, state, federal government. Department of Defense and uh, since 2014, uh, the tech industry here in uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, and also very recently, I became an official member of the uh, Forbes uh, Technology Council, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty, that's, that's a great accolade to have. So, um, with your, with your background in information, um, you know, security, we rebranded it now. It's called cybersecurity, right? So us old war <laughs> yes. dogs who have been around for a, a while, it's still yeah. about informa protecting information, right? Physical security. Yeah, I remember it as information assurance, actually, in the Navy. But yeah, yeah back in the <laughs> day, right? Uh, Rainbow <laughs> Series, uh, the Orange Book, you know, and then PC Sec, and then Ditzcap, and then Diacap. <laughs> and now, like, yeah, bringing back old memories yeah. or maybe nightmares. I don't know. <laughs> back up your dump truck and let's load all the paperwork in there um that's right yeah but so i mean you've been around uh for quite a while you've seen uh, the evolution of 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 technology the evolution of security as a discipline in information technology mm -hmm. and you know we're at a point now where they are separate uh disciplines right so you have to deliver yes. capabilities and then you also have to 
uh, protect the capabilities that you deliver for everyone. Um, 80% of our mm -hmm. business processes are automated in any given industry. So how do we protect the user? How do we protect the information? Um, why don't you tell us what your role is um, over at directly as the director of information security? What what do you do on a day to day basis? What does your program, yeah. your portfolio look like? So um, basically, I uh, head the uh, cybersecurity uh, function. So I am uh, the uh, highest ranked, I guess, uh, executive at directly for cybersecurity. Currently reporting to the general counsel. So uh, I pretty much manage, you know, the entire. Uh, cyber security program, the entire uh, spectrum. At uh, directly, we are an emerging leader in customer experience automation. That's what we do. Uh, we help company and deliver better customer service at scale uh, while creating uh, an economic opportunity for people in the uh, artificial intelligence era. Um, so I think one big differentiator between us and our competition is we don't just use artificial intelligence and machine learning, but in addition to that, uh, we also add human expert, right? So we use human being who are expert in their field to actually uh, teach the AI to be uh, smarter. Uh, so that's, I think that's one competitive advantage we have. Excellent. Um, so when we look at um, your portfolio, for example, those things that you're responsible for on a day-to-day -day basis, um, is that directly with the product? Is that with your business, um, with the users, uh, working with other business unit managers as well? Yes, it's pretty much all of the above. So I direct a cross-functional team, and uh, one of my priorities is to help enable sales, right? Uh, we, we have this... Uh, great software. We have a lot of clients. Microsoft is one of them. Uh, and uh, we want to make sure that trust is preeminent in everything we do, right? privacy and uh, security, making sure all of the controls are in, in place uh, to uh, protect the information, no matter where uh, it might be, information we care about or our customers uh, care about uh i work you know with our vendor management team with engineering uh, all of our uh, developer uh, making sure that the code we are developing is really secure from the get-go um, and uh, we we also have i've been working with engineering centric organization uh since 2014 when i moved to uh, silicon valley it, it was a pretty tough transition going from working for the government to working for a Corporation, they don't take security uh, as maybe not the same way. Let, let me just put it that way, right? In in the navy, we don't do security. People die in Silicon Valley. The worst that can happen, they just lose money and then they, they make some some more. So priorities are not exactly the same. But but uh, it took me a while, but I kind of learned to conform and work within an infrastructure where security may not be the number one priority, maybe not even the second priority for the organization, but uh, working across the entire uh, organization with all of the business leaders in, in order to ensure that everything we are doing, we are doing it in a safe and uh, secure way. Uh, so uh, I uh, really feel like as the head of security, I am not just a technologist, right? And I think that is important. You need to be technical, but 
more importantly, I think you need to have soft skills, be able to work with people and just not use all of the leadership training I've learned in, in the Navy, put them to good use. Uh, I, I, I think understanding the business of the organization and then being able to lead people into doing the right thing for the uh, company is really, really key in being successful here. Yeah, as an executive, that is a key point. Um, um, to be successful as a security leader within your organization, uh, you need to understand the business and you need to have great social skills. <coughs> Excuse yeah. me, that kind of snuck up on me there. Um, so to be able to understand the business, uh, to be able to have a great relationship with all of the other business unit leaders, communicate mm -hmm. in, in the, the language of business, to your point, um, you know, it's not the same language or culture that we have in the military that we do on, on the business side. We communicate in risk on the business side, right? We talk about, um, you know, uh, how things that, key decision makers on the board or business unit managers, we present them uh, with courses of action based on risk decisions. We're going to come right back with Bob Zinga. He's the director of the information security at Directly, also an information warfare officer for U.S. Navy Reserve. Uh, right after this, uh, right after this uh, short announcement. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We have a special guest today, all the way out from San Francisco, Bob Zinga, Directory of, uh, Director of Information Security at Directly, Information Warfare Officer, U.S. Navy Reserve as well. So, Bob, we were talking about, you know, the importance of uh, understanding the, 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 the customer, right? Understanding your audience. Uh, different cultures between, you know, the military, the government side, and then uh, and corporate. Um, uh, back on the business side. So we need to articulate things uh, in, in, in language of business like risk. What is it going to cost? Uh, what is it going to cost if I'm non-compliant? Um, in a lot of instances, uh, depending on where you're placed as a CISO or executive uh, uh, for information security in the organization, uh, will make it either challenging or less challenging to be able to communicate. You said, uh, I think you report directly to legal and compliance in, in your organization. How has that uh, placement uh, helped you be successful for directly? Well, I, th I think that is a good place to be now. Uh, in the military, most uh, CISOs report to the CIO and many organizations in Silicon Valley do. Actually, prior to re reporting to legal, I used to report to the VP of uh, engineering. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Security needs to report to the most senior executive in the organization that cares the most about security. I think that's how you become 
successful. So kind of like in the Navy, they can kind of cover you and, and making sure that your priorities become the priority of senior management and the board. Otherwise, this is just a lot of yapping and making a lot of noise, but really not getting any, any, anything done. So I directly, I am very, very lucky that a lot of the members, uh, at the senior leadership level really, really get security and some of them they kind of add to right because um, when when you have a huge customer like microsoft really cares a whole bunch about security they they kind of make you want to care about security and privacy too and, and especially if you know you, you get some type of data breach incident or or whatever you, you kind of learn from that so uh it's it is it is great to to really be in an organization where uh senior management really sees the point because I've, I've worked for some organization before where they only really paid lip service to security but no when you look at the budget you know uh, there is no love there so uh it's uh it is it is i i really feel personally i, I feel like it's almost like a waste of time to have a security program when you don't really have the support for uh senior management because then uh it's not really sure what what you are doing and you won't be able to act to accomplish much uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, so go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and so when we talk about, uh, oh, there's a little bit of delay there. Uh, when, when we go back and we, um, have those conversations that in, in it's supported at the board level, back to your point, now you have a, a sound culture that can be expressed throughout the rest of the organization as well. So the rest of the employees, the lower, managers and and the employees if they see it being demonstrated and cared for and cultivated um at the senior level then it makes your job easier as well do you think so yes absolutely so i think senior management support is really really crit uh, critical but in addition to that one thing i've learned in the navy right is just leadership skill being able to lead people so uh you may be able to influence your peers and even people who report to you or who are uh, more junior uh, to you within the org organization to really take security more personally, right? Kind of raise the awareness of security across the entire organization. As, as an example, we started last year, I started working up directly, I think it was March of last year. So October 2019 came, it was National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So I took that as a huge opportunity to really raise the level of security across the entire organization we, we we had all types of presentation every single week and then uh i also worked with a lot of the vendors we had to give me a bunch of swags and things to give away just make it very exciting putting posters everywhere in the building and really getting people engaged right from uh, the lowest level worker all, all the way up to the members of the board so they could see security everywhere they uh they turn and giving away um poison. i think at the end we gave away 500 dollars uh amazon gift gift card. I didn't have a budget for that, but I was able to steal money from um, many of the department head at the company and it really made it a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think in, in the long, long run, things like that kind of help move the entire organization uh, into the right Yeah, in direction. some organizations, it might be a strategy that a portion of the CISO's budget actually comes from the other business units, uh, such yeah. as in your case. Um, if you think of all your technology purchases, uh, your your information asset owners, your information owners, 
I mean, that is the relationship really between you and the business uh, is through the business unit leaders. And sometimes we, we carve out things from their budgets. Um, let's go over to the to the um, Navy side. So what is your role as a information uh, warfare officer for the U.S. Naval Reserve? So uh, right now I am the executive officer for uh, an information warfare uh, unit here in Kempak. Uh, so pretty much we do uh, cyber intel. Most most of the officers under me are all intel. I'm the only information professional uh, officer. So, but 38 people also uh, report uh, to me, and uh, our headquarter is in Hawaii. So we always go to Pearl Harbor for all of our annual training, which is nice, but most of the time we don't get to really see Hawaii because we are working on different type of, of shift and it is, it is a lot, a lot of work, including weekends, but, but yeah, it is, it is a, a great thing. Uh, I don't really know how to explain this. It's, it is really something when you work as a unit and you do something that is not just important for the unit, but really for the Navy and many times national security as well. You know? Just thinking about me, I am originally from the Congo. I became a US citizen in 2006. Just thinking that I have a portion to play into the national security of the most powerful country in the world. That's really mind boggling. And then many times when I come off my active duty time and I go back to a company like directly where I'm just you not know, the head of information security, it's like, why am I doing this? Like. <laughs> There is no comparison, right? Uh, now the Navy may not pay us as, as well as industry does, but, but the, uh, commitment and, uh, really the impact you, you, you have, I feel like there's just nothing like it on earth. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very, very difficult to. Very express. different culture as well, right? So, uh, there's yeah. a chain of command. There's a line of command, a, an instant level of respect, usually based on experience, of course, based on rank, uh, and then those mm -hmm. contributions. Um, anybody working on the military side um, having to do with uh, information warfare, information security intelligence, um, it, it's pretty significant today. The contributions um, in, in those areas will help us uh, in, in the evolving threats, uh, nation state actors and organized crime that uh, it, as it continues to evolve, so do the attack vectors, um, you know, the skill sets of the adversary as well. And so um, those contributions, did you, uh, I was curious, did you or, or any of your, um, uh, any of your sailors go to school down in Pensacola at the schoolhouse down there? Uh, I actually did. I think it was back in 2008. That's where I went for my IP um, basic course. I spent like an entire month there. Uh, it was very, very nice. Uh, but, but yeah, one, one thing I really like about what I do for the Navy as a reservist and what I do as a civilian is there is so much overlap, right? Because I'm pretty much doing information security for, for both. So I kind of see the best of both worlds and what I learned in the Navy. I can, some of it I can apply to my civilian job and vice uh, versa. So it's really been, uh, uh, very rewarding for me. That's great. Well, we're uh, speaking with Bob Zinga. He is the Director of Information Security at Directly, uh, based out of uh, San Francisco. He's also an Information Warfare Officer for the U.S. Navy Reserve. We're going to come back and uh, finish things up uh, with our discussion with Bob right after this message.
Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We're speaking with Bob Zinga, who is the Director of Information Security at Directly. He's also an Information Warfare Officer with the U.S. Navy Reserve. So, you know, we've been talking about the various roles, that the two different hats you wear, you know, one with the Navy and, and then one with the uh, with the commercial sector uh, with your role at Directly um, and, and the culture and the, the similarities, the differences. I'd like to focus now, you know, back on the commercial side, um, directly. It, it, you guys do um, contributions related to artificial intelligence, machine learning. Why don't you tell us a, a little bit about the products uh, and some of the things that you're doing over there at Directly? Yeah, so um, basically we we have a uh, an application which we, we sell to our cost, customer to really uh, – uh, help them deliver better customer service at uh, scale. That is, that is really the bottom line, uh, what we do. Um, many, many of our customers have had some issues, you know, handling and managing customer support with all of their end users. And uh, we come in with our platform and pretty much, you know, take that problem completely uh, away. And like I said earlier, in addition, to the uh, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence platform, we also have human beings, experts, we call them experts, uh, who actually know the product and the services of our customer inside out. And then they help answer those questions at first and they help uh, our art artificial intelligence get our bot get much, much uh, smarter on, on the answer. And uh, you know, if eventually it, it, it really helps everybody out, our customer, and of course, uh, our expert also allowing them to participate in this gig uh, economy. Uh, there are some people we have now who make you know, more than six-figure income just doing this type of thing. So it is it is really, really great to, to see how much of an impact you know, a small or medium business could uh, have across uh, the world because it's all done on, on online. We could have experts not just in, in the U.S., but really all around the world. Uh, that's that's great. Um, so one of the things that I heard you describe earlier um, was the software assurance aspect of um, product development. One of the things that you oversee is is uh, the engineering and the software development uh, of your products. And so, as you know, especially on the on the on the government side and the military side, supply chain risk management, right? Um, yes. Making sure that we develop security into um, our program, into our products, to include uh, software. If we think that number one most uh, th you know threat in, in to any information system is the human, right? Number two, mm -hmm. I have always advocated for decades, even before anybody admitted it, was software. Well, number one, yeah. software is developed, developed by humans, right? So um, you've got an inherited threat. Um, Tala, talk to us a little bit about the software assurance, the oversight that you have on the products that you guys develop. Yeah, so uh, really for me, that uh, started when I first moved uh, in San Francisco in uh, 2014. Um, prior to that, work, working with the Navy and uh, the U.S. Army too, now, it, it takes us forever uh, in the government to come up with, uh, to deploy new soft software. And uh, of course, it, security has always been paramount and uh, that's definitely not the, the case in Silicon Valley. Uh, I got to learn 
how to really work with engineering. You know, most uh, startups here in Silicon Valley, they're all engineering centric. They, they want to publish code. They want to be first to market. They usually have a sprint cycle of two weeks or so where every two weeks they, they publish new, new, new codes and they use the agile, uh, methodology, which I had to, uh, to learn. I, I used to pretty much uh, specialize in waterfall when I was uh, doing work for the government. But even the government now, I understand we are changing a little, a little bit. But uh, anyway, going back to a engineering centric organization, I learned that it's extremely important for security to be seen as a partner to engineering, right? Uh, because the very, very first gig I had in Silicon Valley, the engineering department saw security as the department of no. And uh, they saw security as an obstacle. You are basically preventing me from doing my job. And uh, that took a, a while to uh, kind of uh, change. But anyway, all of the lessons I, I learned there, I apply them everywhere uh, I uh, go now. But, but basically, security has to partner with engineering. Again, unlike the government where you know, the information assurance manager says jump, everybody says how high. Uh, in Silicon Valley, when you say jump, uh, they completely ignore you. It's like you don't even exist. So uh, that's where, I, again, I, I mentioned earlier, you really need to develop personal skills, soft, soft, soft skills. You need to be able to communicate and lead, right? And really have some type of relationship with those engineers. And in Silicon Valley, most engineers uh, kind of joke sometimes, but we call them sometimes snow, snowflakes, right? They're very, very tender, genesis and, and, and so forth. But yeah, they are important, but sometimes you really need to round the troop and kind of look at the big picture. What is the mission? What are we trying to do as a company? And how can security be of service? How can I help you do your job more uh, securely? So uh, I think that is extremely uh, important, but uh, one of the first things I uh, I have done uh, since moving to Silicon Valley is to first, I guess, take care of the uh, easy things that we we can do quickly to actually get uh, resolved, right? And some of it is uh, what can security do after the code has been published? I think you kind of have to start there. The code has been deployed to production. What can we do? Uh, I believe for an engineering-centric organization, it's extremely important, at least at first, to really have a great uh, red team um, program, like having pen test, uh, bird bounty program, and things like like that to really test the code as much as you can, as often as you can to find those vulnerabilities, especially anything medium, high, or critical, and then kind of prioritize them into the uh, sprint cycle for remediation. So that is really, really great. Uh, I think uh, you kind of have to uh, start there, but then, with, with time and everything we've done directly is to also uh, increase the security knowledge of our uh, dev developers, right? So at least once a year, they have to take application security training in the language that they use, whether it's Java, Python, or whatever this way is going to ensure in the long term, no, but don't keep making the same mistakes and having uh, the, the same vulnerability over and over again. Somebody just told me a couple of weeks ago, uh, everybody knows about the blue screen of death with uh, Microsoft. Uh, suppose there's one engineer that kept making the same mistake over and over again, and they, they kept redeploying this is code ev everywhere. But but uh, anyway, so I think tr training the uh, development team about how to securely uh, develop code and also follow at least the, the top 10, top 20 uh, OWASP, you know, uh, vulnerability trying to av avoid those. I think this is this is huge.
And then uh, with them, this is kind of where we are with directly now. I'm trying to kind of shift securely left, right? Bringing security closer to the uh, developer. Pretty much, you know, DevOps uh, cycle really, really get the uh, developer as soon as they deploy the code, before the code is even merged, right, into our central repository for the developer himself or herself to actually scan it, find out, you know, whatever vulnerability might be, fix them. And then once it passes or she passes the test, then the, the code will, will be, uh, incorporated into our, uh, main, 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 main brand. So that's kind of uh, what I am planning for, for next year, bringing security closer and closer, uh, to the, uh, uh developer. In Venedi, we had to say we don't want, uh, uh, security to be added on, but to kind of be baked in, right? And uh, it, it's really affecting the culture of the entire org organization of the engineering team for for sure, and uh, really working with people, you know, people, human beings, and uh, uh, trying to uh, lead and uh, help all of us kind of move into the the right direction. Those are great tactics. Um, you know, building it in the culture, of building security in. I mean, now we're talking about developers, not just business unit leaders. In, in the security culture has to be administered and, and coddled um, at all levels um, to include the, the systems designers, software developers, um, IT personnel, personnel uh, sysadmins, netadmins, DBAs, right? Um, so, you know, it's, it's a great concept um, when you can realize the benefits of socializing your soft skills changing the culture at all levels uh, of the organization. Um, Bob, you know, I can't believe we've come to the end of our segment. Um, lots of great discussions here about uh, the commercial side, the, the military side or the government side and um, extensive background that you've got. What parting words would you have um, for our audience today before we end the session? Well, I, I think one one thing uh, I like to say specifically to those who are in the uh, cyber uh, security profession, uh, technical skills is definitely extremely important. And many times when you get started, that's really what you need to focus on. Um, but one thing I've learned since moving to Silicon Valley, it's really, really, really important to be aligned to the business of your organization, right? In the Navy, sometimes it seems like uh, we have unlimited funding, you know, pretty much get whatever we need. It is national security after, after all. But uh, in a business, there really needs to be a reason for a business to spend a penny. And whenever they spend money, they need to get a return on that. So learning the language of business, learning to position security as a risk area. The same way the board of any organization looks at financial risk and all of the other business risks, they should consider security risk as as well. And that's part of the reason why I, I decided when I moved here to earn a uh, MBA, right? Um, just so that uh, I, I would really get into the mindset of a business uh, person. So I, I feel like, yeah, security, having technical skills is, is great. Understanding the technology is is really cool but as a security expert many times i feel like it's almost as if i'm doing two jobs right one i have to understand the technology itself as good or even better than the people who actually manage it and then second i need to be able to uh put uh align the security controls on top of the technology to ensure the confidentiality you know integrity and uh availability of the data no, no matter where where it is so the the, the last thing is uh it's really really important especially when you come from a military background, not to be too rigid, right? 
in the Navy, we say Semper Gumby. So you really, really have to be flexible and uh, you have to align to the organization, to the culture and to the strategic objective of the organization. The organization needs to see security as a partner and as not just a cost center costing so much money, but someone who actually sits at the table and adds value, help the organization do whatever it is uh, the priority of that organization is. That's outstanding. Um, great contributions from uh, Bob Singa, Director of Information Security at Directly, also a Information Warfare Officer of the U.S. Navy Reserve out there in San Francisco. Bob, really appreciate your contributions to our program, uh, and uh, we wish you a, a great afternoon. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier. Thank you for listening to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channels and come back for more wisdom nuggets on how you may develop into a better leader and achieve greater levels of success. Leadership is the most critical skill. The world will always need leaders to lead others, deploy the next disruptive technology, or execute a business strategy. You may as well decide on counting yourself among the 21st century leaders. See you right here next time on the Leadership and Success Podcast with Coach BZ.